0: Well, good morning and welcome to Rock Hills 2018. You have officially been at church every single Sunday this year. Give yourselves a round of applause. You are off to a great start. Uh, What we're all about here at Rock Hills Church is we're about loving God, loving others, Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what I want my life to be all about. That's what I hope that this church is all about. That's what I hope happens in your life as we look to 2018 and say, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? My prayer is that we could all just inch a little bit closer. That's why we're doing this this series, One Step Closer. If we could just get a little bit closer in our lives to being able to authentically love God, For whatever that looks like for you, I mean, that could be a little bit different for all of us, just depending on what we've been through and what we're facing in life. If we could get just a little bit closer to where we could authentically love others, the people that God puts in our lives, even sometimes those people that just grade against us, if we could get to that place where we could genuinely love others. And if we can be a church by the way that we live our lives and the way that you live your life when you go out of this place. That whatever we do and wherever we go, because of what's happening on the inside of us, we're able to help other people find Jesus and follow Jesus. Not because you've got the whole Bible memorized, which is, is great, if that's something you're working on this year. Uh, I hope we all do that a little bit more. Not because you can pray eloquent prayers, which it's great to pray, but I hope just simply by what's happening inside your heart. And the way that affects your life when you go out the door to work or when you go to school or when you're having coffee with your friends, it helps other people draw just one step closer to finding Jesus or following Him more closely. That's our desire for you as we go into this new year. And this is certainly a church, it always has been, where you can come just as you are. So getting one step closer to God is going to be a little bit different for all of you. Because some of you are going through some hard stuff right now. Some of you, 2018 is starting off great. We're all finding ourselves in a different spot. But the beauty is God invites us to come just as we are. And we're a church that believes wholeheartedly in that. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're wrestling with in life, if you're not okay, it's okay. We believe that you can come just as you are because we saw Jesus demonstrate that in Scripture. We believe that wherever you're at, you can start from right there and draw one step closer. I don't know where 2018 is going to take you, but I know where we can all start at. From right where you're at, we can simply take one step closer to God. Now, just personally, this is a big deal to me because I believe for most of us, we're not in danger of ruining our lives. I mean, for most of us, that's really not the issue The bigger issue that I think most of us face is we're in danger of wasting our lives. Or let's focus it in just on one year, just 2018. I don't think in 2018 we're going to ruin our lives. We're going to ruin our lives in this year, but I think there's a possibility we could just waste this year, and I think all of us can look back over the years we've had in our lives and say, you know, really, I I just wasted a lot of that year. I'm not any closer to being the person that I'm supposed to be in this year than I was in that year. And my desire for 2018 is that I don't waste this year. And for me, I feel like there's a lot on the line just personally, because I've got two daughters and I'm more aware every day that the clock is ticking. And it's just a matter of ticks before both of my daughters are out the door and off to college. I've got a son who I... I legitimately think he's growing an inch every day. I mean, I get up and go get coffee in the morning. I'm like, are you standing on something or what is going on? I mean, he just keeps getting taller. I've got another son who every day is a new discovery for him as he's learning English and discovering the world around him and learning about God. And I realized that in 2018, I don't want to miss a moment. I don't want to waste a moment. And beyond that, I stand before a church. I stand before you guys. You come here because you're expecting that somebody's going to share with you that's been able to hear from God. And I don't want to waste a single opportunity or minute or word from this stage by just blabbing to you. I want to be able to hear from God and be able to share with you what God wants us to hear. I don't want 2018 to be a waste. One day, Jesus was talking to a group of people not much unlike you and me. I mean, just normal, everyday people that would gather to hear Jesus. And as they gathered to hear him, he makes a very audacious statement. It's in John 14, verse 12. Well, that comes up, I'm going to take a drink here. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. <clears throat> because i am going to the father now you may have set new year's resolutions or you may not have set new year's resolutions i don't i don't know where you stand on all that but as you look at this statement that jesus made i mean what what are you going to do in 2018 i don't know i'm going to i'm going to do the things that jesus did and i'm going to do even greater things well that's that's a pretty big resolution right i mean Come on, Adam, I was just hoping to lose 10 pounds, right? I mean, you're talking about doing what Jesus did and even greater things. Well, that, that sounds good in Bible talk, but listen to how we preface that. I tell you the truth. When Jesus says it's truth, we can trust that it's truth. Anyone, I think we all qualify for anyone, anyone who believes in Jesus can do the same works that he has done and even greater. So as we look at this year, we can say that Jesus sets a pretty lofty goal for every one of us. You guys, uh, we're working on some technical issues there, but y'all just hang with us. We'll get it all ironed out. We can look at this, though, and we can say, okay, Jesus says anyone can do what Jesus did and even greater. But if we're really honest, we can look at our lives and say, that's a great scripture, Adam, but I don't really see it in my life right? We can look at our lives and say, I don't really see that happening. And what we can do is we can get to that place where we're kind of towing the line of wasting our lives or wasting our year because we get to the place where we can say, well, if I don't really think that it's happening or I don't see it's happening, I just settle for less. I take a little step back in my faith and say, I'm just going to believe, but I'm not going to believe that God could really do anything that great or that miraculous in my life. And as we tread that path towards the danger of wasting our lives, we all face that threat of just settling for good enough. Right? I mean, we're we're pretty good people, right? I mean, you showed up at church today, you've been here every Sunday of the year. We're pretty good people. Some of you read your bible and you pray and you do kind things for others and we can get to that place. <coughs> I'm sorry where we say, I'm not doing great, but I'm not a bad person. And so I'm all right with just being good enough. And the danger is when we become comfortable with that, thank you. When we become comfortable with that, just being good enough, we can become religious. Church is just something that I do. Reading my Bible is something that I have to do. And we begin to go through these motions that's up here, but it never gets down here. So as we head into 2018, my prayer for all of us is that we could take one step closer. And that's a step of faith to say, God, I trust you with whatever's going on in my life, whatever I'm facing, help me to draw one step closer to you. I read a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that I really like. It says this, Faith is taking the first step when you can't even see the whole staircase. You don't know what's on the other side of the staircase, but you're willing to say, God, I'll take that first step, and I'll trust in you not knowing where it leads or what you'll do in my life or what you'll do at my job or in my marriage, but I'm going to take one step closer to you trusting in you. That's when we have faith and we put it together with action. I like to look at it this way. I want to pray as I go into this year as if it all depends on God, but I want to work as if it all depends on me. So I'm going to choose to take a step, but I'm going to believe that God is going to show up in my life personally, in my family. I'm going to choose to take a step, but I'm going to believe that God is going to show up. In our church, we're going to take a step forward, and we're going to believe that God is going to show up in a great way in 2018. The good news here is that it's not about you and how good you are. It's about what Jesus has already done. He already paid the price for you to be able to take a step and God can meet you right where you are at. No one here is qualified because you're good enough to be able to have God do something great in your life in 2018. The good news is none of you are disqualified because you're not good enough. You are you, and God took your place, and he stood in your shoes. And now we just have to take a step closer, and he's going to meet us right on that path. In spite of there being very little really good within any of us, God invites us this year to draw one step closer to him. So today I want us to take a look at a man. You may have heard of him. He's, his name is Elisha. He's, he's a character in the Old Testament and he has a particular interaction with a widow that we're going to look at today. You can find his story in First and Second Kings in the Old Testament, just to give you a little bit of a background on Elisha. Elisha's just a regular guy. He's a farmer. He is out working the fields one day. He believed in God, but he's, he's just going to his job and doing what he does every day. Now, this is Elisha with an S-H, all right, because he's going to interact with another very similar name here in just a moment. In 1 Kings 19, he has an interaction with a man named Elijah with a J. So we've got Elijah, who is a prophet, and we've got Elisha, who is a farmer. And Elijah is a prophet of God. And in the Old Testament, people weren't necessarily able just to go to church and hear God speak to them. God would select a prophet of God who would speak to people, and that's how they would hear God's will and God's voice. They didn't have the scriptures to open up. The prophets would come, and they would, God would speak to them, and they would speak to the people. That's what Elisha was. Elisha is one of these prophets. And one day, he's going past this field, and he sees Elijah out there farming in his field, and he feels like, I need to go tell this guy something. So Elisha goes to Elijah, And he basically, to sum it up, explains to him, God is calling you to be a prophet of God. And then Elisha does something that's really remarkable when you think about it. Elisha is so moved by the invitation of Elijah to be a prophet of God that he turns around. He's been plowing his field with these oxen, right, that have the big yokes on them. And he's plowing the field. He's got, uh, you know, a primitive plow back behind that. He turns around. He gets out his knife or sword or whatever he carried and he slaughters the oxen right there and he starts a fire and he burns his plows and he takes all the meat from the oxen and he throws a party for the entire village making a statement that this is who I was but God has called me to something new and I'm never going back again. I mean, that's pretty audacious, right? Most of us want to test the water a little bit. You know, okay, I'll go. I'll intern with you for a little bit. If it works, I'll stick with you. If not, I'm coming back to farming. But that's not what Elisha did. Elisha, when he got the invitation of God, he said, I'm all in. He burns the plows. He slaughters the oxen. He throws a party for the village, and he moves on to what God has for him. And just a little side note here. If you've been frustrated because here's another year and you haven't been able to move forward like you want to see your life moving forward. I want to challenge you. That is it possible that you haven't been able to move forward because where you're at is good enough. And you can't quite leave good enough behind. See, Elisha was living a life that was good enough. But he took that step of faith not knowing where the staircase would lead. And said, now I'm going to leave good enough behind to move forward to whatever is ahead, not knowing what God had ahead for him. Are there plows in your life? Are there oxen in your life that you need to burn, that you need to slaughter? Not that they're bad things, not that they're bad habits necessarily, although there may be some of those too, but are there things in your life that you just need to say enough with it? I'm stepping forward into what I feel like God has called me to do in my life. The real risk isn't taking a step of faith. The real risk is just simply staying where you're at and being here again next year when God calls us to take a step of faith forward. Sometimes we worry about God leading us into the unknown, right? I don't know what that means for my finances. I don't know what that means for my future, for my family. I've been there personally where you just say, I don't know what the, I don't know how I'm going to feed my family, but God, I'm going to take a step forward forward in my life. We should be more concerned about staying in the same place, not taking a step of faith, than allowing God to lead us into the unknown. The active ingredient that we see of God doing something monumental in our lives is simply being willing to take the first step. So you don't have to worry about what's all the way at the other end of where God is going to eventually lead you. God is just asking us to take one step closer to Him, to where He's leading us to be. Too often, we say that we're going to wait for someday till things get better, right? When I have more money, then I'll be able to really live for God. When I have more time, then I'll be able to live for God. One day when my kids move out of the house, then I'll be able to live for God. But the truth is, you have everything that you need to do all that God wants you to do right now. You have all the money that you need to be able to do all that God wants you to do right now. You have all the time, even though I know that your time is busy and full of all kinds of stuff, to be able to do what God wants you to do to take that first step right now. We're going to look at an example of that today. We're going to fast forward from 1 Kings to 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha has now become a prophet, and he's been doing this for several years. He is now a senior prophet. So he is a prophet over multiple other prophets who have now come up. And so he's kind of directing all of these prophets. He's got prophets underneath him. And one of these guys passes away, one of these prophets. And the prophet, we don't even know his name, the prophet that passed away, his widow comes to Elisha to ask for help one day. And as she comes to ask for help, Elisha is going to respond to her. But I, I want to pause right there because one thing I love about our church is our church is always looking for a way that we can make a difference in the lives of other people. Uh, Alexis Nunez talked to me last week. I think she's over. Yeah, raise your hand real high so everybody can see where you're at. She talked to me last week. She's, uh, her son has some friends who both parents were lost, were killed over the holidays. And so obviously her heart is breaking for this family. And I couldn't help but think as I saw this situation where you've got a family that's devastated by an unexpected loss and Elisha's going to step in. But Alexis has cho- chosen basically to do the same thing, to step in and say, how can I help you? And so I love that. Remember, we're about loving God and loving others. And those are two things that she's putting into action. And I see so many of you do as well. But she's looking for practical ways that she can help this family, and she's got some great ideas. So I encourage you, if you're interested in helping out to help this family, see Alexis after the service. She'll be out in the lobby, and you can see about how you can help uh, these young kids out who have lost their family. But back to the story, we've got... We've got this widow who's also got two young boys, and now they don't have a father anymore. So this widow has done the only thing that she knows to do. She goes to Elisha, hoping that something is going to be able to happen. And she goes to Elisha, she explains, listen, you know that my husband has died. I don't have anything. And now the creditors are coming to me. They're knocking on the door, and they're saying, you got to pay up. And she t- said, I, d- I told them, I, d- I don't have anything. And they said, well, we're going to have to take your two sons, and we're going to make them slaves. That's the way they operated back in the Old Testament times. You couldn't pay up. They're going to take your family members and make them into slaves. So this is what she is facing. And as a parent, you can imagine the desperation that you would feel. I don't have anything. They're about to take my sons and put them into a life of slavery. Can you please help me in any way? This is 2 Kings chapter 4. It begins at verse 1. One day. A widow, a member of the group of prophets, came to Elisha and cried out, My husband, who served you, is dead. And now, and you know he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come, threatening to take my sons as slaves. Elisha begins by saying, Well, what can I help you with? He asked. Now, there may be some of you in this room who are a little bit less than holy who are thinking, Wait a minute. I could trade one of my kids to uh, pay off the house, at least for a few years, right? I mean, that wouldn't be a bad deal. Or at least, parents, you'd like to be able to make the threat, right? Don't you dare make me trade you so I can pay off the credit card. You do that one more time and you're gone, right? All right, so maybe we wouldn't want to do that. But that's the situation where Elisha walks into. All right, what can I do to help you? Which seems like a good question to start with. And you would think that Elisha, being a senior prophet, you know, would have certainly had some chaplain training or something to make him really compassionate, say the right words in these moments. But he says something very odd as he continues. (coughs) Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, if you're going and you're asking for help and you're desperate, and all of a sudden the person you're asking for help wants to start having an audit of what you have in your house, you might feel like there's not a lot of compassion there, right? She responds by saying, nothing at all. Well, wait a minute. Let me see what I can find. This is the only thing I have in my house. One flask of oil, and it's just got a little bit of olive oil left in it. You see, in those days, olive oil was used for everything pretty much, but definitely used for cooking Definitely used for food, for sustenance. It's also used for fuel, uh, for being able to have lights, you know, back in those days. So it, it was a very, very handy commodity. And this is all that she had. She had a single flask of olive oil, just enough to maybe get by for another moment. And that's all that she had. It's not much. But but what we are about to find out is that all that God needs is what she already has. That single flask with just a little bit of olive oil, that's all that God needs. So he's going to tell her next in verse 3. Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Take your olive oil. Pour the olive oil from your flask into jars, setting each one aside as it 's filled so that 's what the widow does. She does what Elisha has asked her to do. she sends her sons out to his round round up as many containers as they can possibly find. Now, I think we need to be careful here and not just gloss over this I mean why would she do this? It doesn't make any logical sense, right? I don't have anything. My sons are about to be slaves, and you want me to go collect empty flasks, empty jars, empty buckets, whatever I can find. And you're not giving me any assurance that it's going to help anything, right? I mean, if you came to me and you said, listen, Pastor Adam, I lost my job, I'm about to lose everything. They just repoed my car. I don't have anything left. And I, you know, unsensitively say to you, well, what do you have? And you look in your garage and all you have is a gas can with about a quarter gallon of gas in it. And you say, this is it. This is all I've got, you know, 50 cents worth of gas. And I tell you, I want you to go collect as many gas cans as you can. So you go all throughout your neighborhood. Hey, do you have a gas can? I can borrow, you know, and you're just piling them up in your garage. That wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it? It doesn't solve your problem, does it? And there's no assurance from me with this crazy thing that I just ask you to do that it's going to help anything in your life. But this woman, this widow, she had faith and she trusted in the life. She said, okay, I'll take this one step. I don't know where this staircase leads, but I'll take this one step. So she goes... And she collects and she gathers as many as she can. In verse 5, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her. She filled one. She filled another. She fills another. She fills another. Soon every container is full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then all of a sudden the last drop every single jar was filled to the brim now what's interesting here is that you could almost measure this woman's faith by the amount of jars that she collected for every single jar that she collected god filled them up we don't know how many but it was obviously significant she keeps filling and filling and filling till they're all full and then it stops and she reports this to elisha When she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. This is cool because God didn't just meet her needs, right? God didn't just pay off her debt. God didn't just save her sons from slavery. But then God throws in some style points, and he's like, And you got a 401k as well, right? Your needs are met for the rest of your life. This was a pretty awesome thing that happened to this woman. Remember when Elisha asked her, what do you have? Well, nothing except this. I mean, it's not really much of anything, obviously. It's not much of anything. Nothing except just a little something. We can easily dismiss what God wants to do in our lives, what He wants to do in our lives this year, what He wants to do in your life right now. When we think, I don't have the skill set. I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I don't have the education. I don't have the looks. I don't have the resources. Whatever the I don't have is, I don't have anything except. And we can miss all that God wants to do in our life because we're looking at our resources rather than the resources that you We're going to look at God meeting us as we take one step closer with our faith, as we take a step closer with our health, our finances, our family, all the things that are so important to us. If we'll just say, God, I don't have everything, but I I have a little bit. And God, I will trust you with what I have. I think we can see God move in those areas of our lives. But we all face the danger of rather than bringing these little bits of things that we have to God, We look at what we don't have, or maybe what you don't have anymore. And you see what you don't have, rather than letting God work with what you do have. You see, we can get real easy, step easily into the trap of if then, right? If I had more money, if I went home today, let's be honest, right? You went home today and somebody left a million dollar check on your doorstep, that said, I'm supposed to give this to you, use it how you want. If that check was on your doorstep, man, you could do some nice things for people, couldn't you? I mean, we all would go, yeah. You know, I could give to the church. I could give to the homeless. I could, I could do all kinds of things to help people if that was there. If you could sing and play like Josh does, right? I mean, if you could, we could all go, I could do even more for the Lord if I, if I could do that. But I can't do that right? I mean, we can all look at our lives and just say, if I had this, then it would be a little bit different. If I just had more time, then I'd be able to connect with others. Then I'd be able to go to Bible study. Then I'd be able to spend time with God, if only. But the truth is, you don't need much for God to be able to work with it. God is the God who created something out of nothing. And if we're just willing to say, God, I'll take the first step, If that's all that I can give you, I'll give you that first step. And God, I trust you with that. I trust you to meet me right where I'm at. But we can easily get distracted by what we wish we had. And when we're distracted by what we wish we had, what we wish we had never comes. Because we're never okay with what we already have right now, allowing God to use that as we take the first step and put our faith into action. I don't know where God's going to take you in 2018, personally, your family. I don't know where God's going to take our church in 2018. But I do know this. We can take what we have in our house, and we can say, God, I can trust you with this, and I can take just one step closer to you, to trust you with my life, to trust you with my marriage, or maybe someday my marriage that will be, to trust you with my family, my kids, or someday my kids that will be, with my finances, with my health, with my job. God, I can take what I've got and I can trust you with that. So I want to ask you as a church to join me in bringing as many jars as we can to the feet of Jesus in 2018. And I'm not asking you to bring actual bottles next week. This is the jar I'm talking about. Just your heart to say, God, God, if I step closer, can you fill me up? And then I even want you to take a step of faith, realizing that every jar that they brought was filled up. So if you take a step closer and invite somebody else to take a step closer with you, who invites somebody else to take a step closer with them? I know this sounds like multi level marketing, I'm not. But as we all just take a step closer, God will fill every single jar that we have faith for. How can you step closer to Christ today so that in 2018 you may be closer to him than ever before? One of my favorite verses comes from James chapter 4. It says this, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom, instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humble yourselves before God, and He will lift you up. There's a step. Verse 8, I love this part. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. The good news for us is that for us, it's just one step. God does all the rest of the steps. If we'll just be willing to say, okay, God... I'm going to come close to you because the truth is he's right there. He's just waiting for us to take that step. So how many jars can we bring and lay them at the feet of Jesus? What plows do we need to burn in our lives? What oxen do we need to slaughter in our lives so that we can draw closer to him? Let's put our faith into action as we step closer to God so we can see God move in our lives. Just some practical things I encourage you to do. If you go, uh, okay, I should start reading my Bible. How would how I even go about that? Bible.com, or if you've got a smartphone, just the Bible app. It's got so many reading plans and devotionals on it. You can set it up to remind you every day, put it on a schedule. We've also got resources on our Facebook page, on our web page, all just to help you draw closer to God to spend time with the Lord to read the Bible if you go I know I should pray but I don't really know how to pray we'd love to help you with that as well there's some handouts out at the Connecting Center that just simply give you a little walk through that you could stick in your Bible you can stick it on your nightstand help you walk through how you can seek God every day I encourage you as we step into 2018 let's take just a step closer will you pray with me Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are faithful to us, Lord, that it doesn't depend on our resources or our ability, but Father, that you say when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us regardless of what we've been through or what we've done. Lord, there are hearts here today that want to draw closer to you this year. And Lord, I want to pray in agreement with all of those hearts, Lord, that are ready to take a step closer to you. Some, some of them may be for the very first time to surrender and say, God, I'm yours. Some of them have been following you for years, but Father, they know it's, it's time to step out of the good enough and step into the even greater things, Father. I want you to take just a moment, and in your own words, they don't have to be fancy words, would you just surrender your heart to God? Would you just in your own words tell Him that you want to draw closer to Him? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Lord, that we might know you, that we might be made new creations. Thank you that you have redeemed us, Father, that you did the work, that you paid the price, that we could be yours. Father, I stand here today with those who are surrendering and taking a step of faith, and I stand in agreement, Father, as they surrender their lives to you, as we take a step closer.